What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Brandon Arvnani is the CEO of Meow, the alternative to a savings account for businesses. They offer 4% potential yields, three business day withdrawals, and they've got a very long wait list of people who are interested in this new product. In this conversation, we discussed everything from stablecoins to yield generation to the risks to also what the reception has been from both individuals and companies, both in the public and private market. I really enjoyed this conversation with Brandon, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Before we get into the episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Crypto.com. They're helping to mainstream the crypto industry, signing major global partnerships with multiple sports, including Serie A, the Italian Football League, the UFC, and my personal favorite, Formula One. With over 10 million users around the world, Crypto.com offers an easy way to buy and sell more than 100 cryptocurrencies. You can even buy Bitcoin with as little as $1. New users enjoy 0% credit and debit card fees in their first 30 days as well. Crypto.com also pays some of the most competitive interest rates in the industry. Find out how much you can earn by visiting Crypto.com. They are Visa's biggest crypto card partner. My listeners across North America, Europe, and most of APAC can apply for the Slick Metal Card, offering up to 8% back on most purchases, and comes with amazing perks like 100% rebate on your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. Get $25 when you download the Crypto.com app today using code POMP. Again, $25 if you go download the Crypto.com app today using the code POMP. You can click on the link in the description, or you can go to the App Store and search Crypto.com and download it today. Go check it out and let me know what you think. Next up is CoinCloud. Did you know you can buy and sell crypto with cash? I want to introduce my friends at CoinCloud. They're more than just a Bitcoin ATM company. CoinCloud is the world's leading digital currency machine operator. They've been around since 2014 and have thousands of machines across the country. You can buy and sell Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Cardano, and over 30 other digital assets. No connecting bank accounts, no long waits. And if you have questions, you can speak to a live U.S.-based customer support rep 24-7. I've had a lot of Bitcoin ATM companies reach out, but CoinCloud is the only team I've found that does things right. They put together a special offer for listeners of the show. You can get $50 in free Bitcoin when you buy $200 or more at any CoinCloud machine and use the promo code POMP. Again, find your local ATM at coin.cloud slash POMP. Coin.cloud slash POMP and use promo code POMP. Last but not least are my friends at Eternity. You might have noticed just how many NFT projects are coming onto the market lately. The problem? It's becoming harder and harder to determine the true lifelong value of NFT collectibles. Meet Eternity. The world's first authenticated and licensed NFT platform trusted by over 150,000 members. On Eternity.io, you can buy digital NFTs and redeem real-world unlockable collectibles and experiences. At Eternity, our team believes in transparency and legitimacy. That's why they partner directly with the individual, the team, the brand, or the league, so you know what they buy is the real deal, with value that will stand the test of time. So visit Eternity.io to register for upcoming collections, buy and sell in the marketplace, and much more to come from the app to packs to virtual worlds and gaming. Go visit them at Eternity.io. Again, that's Eternity.io. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy. 
but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, next we have Brandon from Meow, which I, I believe is the right way to uh, to pronounce it. Is that right? Just Meow? Just as you'd normally meow, yeah. But do you like, do you hit people with, uh, yes, I'm the uh, founder of Meow? Or like, how do you say it? This might be my first like podcast appearance. So yes, this is the first time I'll say that. All right, let's let's do it. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'm the founder of me. I'm the co-founder of me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, just, I just figured that that would be uh, be interesting. Uh, they, did it when you raised money? Did investors were they like, hey, what's up with the name? Yeah, I got a lot of. Why meow? Some people tricked me into saying meow. They said, "How do you pronounce like the company I, like I name?" Just did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but less and less people are telling me to change the name. It's not going to change. So yeah, do, do you and your co-founder sit there and like in an investor meeting see how many times you can say meow? That we tried that once actually. Really? Is there like a story behind it or no? Yeah, honestly, like the, it's it's a serious story. I mean, the space is so high entropy that no one knows what it's going to be in a year let alone on a, like on a month-to-month basis. So if you pick a name like BitYield or Block Treasure Yield or something, you pigeonhole yourself. You, you need a happy name that can be anything it needs to be, and that's that's the, really the genesis story of, of Meow. So you like cats? Yeah, the cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I figured that was yeah, the end uh, ending there. No, but that's, that's a good point. Uh, and it's a memorable name. Yeah. yeah. Right, which is important. All right, walk us through uh, what you guys are doing because I think that you guys are going after a, a very specific problem where there are certain types of folks who say, hey, I'm taking it absolutely on the chin from inflation. Uh, my corporate balance sheet is getting smashed right yeah. now. Uh, I got to do something. What do you guys do uh, from a product standpoint that help those folks? Yeah, so first off, everyone's taking it on the chin, whether they know it or not. Yep. And uh, the forward-thinking ones are, looking for active solutions. It used to be a cute thing to look for alternative yield sources, but now since COVID happened and the money printer really is just jammed open, uh, it's not a cute thing, it's a necessity uh, for a lot of corporates to, to find potentially better yields on their balance sheet. So we take their cash and we source yields from crypto markets. So right now that's lending desks in the crypto space, uh, it's directly to hedge funds in the crypto space, and in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be announcing dollars to DeFi. So directly interacting with DeFi protocols, the click of a button, all cash-based. People send us cash, we take care of all the nonsense behind the scenes of stablecoin conversion, putting it in the protocol, and give them cash back for you know 4% yields. How, how much of what you're doing today is the lending desks versus what I think many people think of as like the, the frontier of like super risky DeFi related, what, you know, whatever is in that market. Uh, and then do you see that percentage changing? Is it hundred percent today, just the traditional lending desk where you're um, essentially getting that yield via I'm assuming Genesis and a couple of these very large guys. Right. Uh, or do you look at it in the future of this business is actually going into all this like uh, um, kind of, um, uh, new stuff that isn't a traditional lending desk. That's exactly right. So the MVP, spinning it up is a lot easier when you just partner with existing institutions with reputable backgrounds, like yep. blue chip only. But we're going to be the first, we think, uh, to have direct access to a lot of these blue chip DeFi protocols as well. Not just one. We're going to make it as easy as picking a stock in the next few weeks, which is which is really exciting. How much of it is going to be reliant on me? Let's say, let's say I am uh, the CFO of a business. Yep. And uh, to make it relevant to the audience, let's say that uh, I'm not a publicly traded company. I'm a private company. I've got anywhere between 10 employees up to a thousand employees. Uh, I've been running my business. We come to work every day. We work our asses off. We've uh, built a profitable business and our balance sheet continues to grow. Maybe not you know, exponentially, but, but it continues to grow. I see inflation is a problem. I want to protect myself. I have the option to uh, sit there and just take it on the chin. Yep. 
I could go speculate in financial markets by buying the S&P 500 or, you know, uh, whatever. I could go buy Bitcoin uh, or I can do something like this. And let's just say for uh, the sake of an argument, uh, I don't have deep conviction on any one thing. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave a little bit in like what I'll call fiat traditional dollars. I'm going to put a little bit in something like Bitcoin and I'm going to put a little bit in stable coins, right? And whatever that percentage is doesn't matter for this uh, example. When I come to you, do you just tell me like, thank you very much. We're going to go and we'll take care of the stable coins for you and you'll get 4% or do I need to be an expert on, uh, the lending desk versus some protocol versus some other yield? Like, like how involved do I need to be versus I just know I'm making an asset allocation decision and therefore I get a higher return than I would get in another market. Yeah. The vast majority of our work right now is the education part and we have, we abstract all the nonsense away from you. So you know how to deal with cash. We take your cash and we will put it into these yield generating uh, sources. You'll see your daily interest earned in your dashboard. You'll get the cash out. Now, as far as like Bitcoin, ETH, and NFTs in the balance sheet, I think that's a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of Michael Saylor personally, but the market's not telling us that that's where the demand is. There's crazy demand for yield. Everyone is yield starved right now. So this is what we're building right now is this cash-based bridge to yield sources with very good liquidity. I mean, three business day withdrawals, worst case. Now, if that leads to people storing Bitcoin in the balance sheet, I'm a big, big Bitcoin, Bitcoin bull. Uh, it'll be as easy as one click uh, with us as well. And, and so is there an idea of, uh, let's fast forward, right? So where you start, I think everyone always gets caught, uh, and especially people who don't, haven't spent a lot of time investing in technology, what they do is they take a snapshot. Yeah. And it's like a static image. And they're like, okay, your business today, it's called Meow, this is how you describe it, this is the product, like this sucks, for whatever reason, right? Then there's some people who take that snapshot, and it's like, this is amazing, this is exactly what I was looking for. In reality, a snapshot does not encompass the trajectory of a business, right? And so if you think of Facebook, right? It used to literally be like, hey, did I think this person is attractive or not? Today they own Instagram and WhatsApp as well, yep. right? So businesses can really change over a 10, 20 year period. With this, if somebody came to you in the future and said, hey, I already have an allocation to, uh, let's say Bitcoin, uh, maybe I have real estate and I have uh, US dollar cash. Maybe they want to give you Bitcoin in cash and say, can you generate a yield for me? Is that something that would fit kind of within the way you think about the business? Uh, or is it something where you're just saying, no, we only want to go after people with dollars? The market, I mean, we're going after savings accounts here. And that's a gigantic So market. savings accounts is like, that's what I'm trying to get. It's, it's basically exactly. savings account or kind of corporate balance sheets yeah. is basically the, the two pieces that you think that's the kind of ideal customer. Right, we're going to blow it out of the water. I mean, think about the future of, of savings accounts, guys. Like, what, what's the future of the financial institutions? Where are the yields going to come from? Where are the payments going to come from? It's going to be low-fee stablecoin networks, and the yields are going to be sourced from very liquid DeFi protocols at the end of the day. It's, it's obvious to us. It's, it's going to be the case. So we want to be the first to do that. That's the biggest market right now. Now, we're certainly uh, interested in following the progression of Bitcoin yields, for example, mm-hmm. ETH yields. Um, what are the differences right now in uh, stable coins, Bitcoin, or like other asset yields? And uh, none of this financial advice, all this changes on a day-to-day basis based on uh, user demand, et cetera. But like, wh- as it is right now, generally, what's the ballpark or order of magnitude differences between these? Yeah, for like Bitcoin right now, you're looking at like, low, like 1%, 2%. Uh, but okay. when it comes to like cash, stablecoin, things like that, a lot of that is dictated by premiums in, in Bitcoin futures, for example. Okay, so interesting. They're, they're is the cash carry trade? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it's like very low risk ARB there. Um, so you can get anywhere from like 4% to 6%. And believe it or not, Pomp, we've, we, we've dealt with so many different customers. Some of them say this is too risky. Some of them say it's nowhere near risky enough. They're looking for 10, 15%. So there's this wide array of offerings we can provide from 
riskier DeFi protocols to insurance-wrapped DeFi protocols to you know Bitcoin-denominated yields. There's a whole array of options, and now it's just a, fo- a matter of like focusing our attention on on the winners. Right. Okay. So, so you said Bitcoin is like one or two percent. You said kind of stable coins is like let's say four to six percent. Yeah, suddenly. And then like. I see in the headlines, just like everybody else, there's like, you know, a thousand percent stuff. Like what's going on there? How are they generating what they're calling yield, which I'm assuming isn't like they're lending it out and somebody's paying them that. So like what, what's going on? There? Yeah, they're they're denominating the returns of that in whatever the token is. That's not a stable coin. That's what's happening there. That's not really our game right now. Ours is just, you know, businesses know how to deal with cash and stable coins are pegged one to one to cash. And there's very innovative ways to get better yields mm-hmm. uh, via the stable coin networks than, than their cash. I mean, the, they're, their bank accounts are just such dinosaur instruments, man. We're, we're, we're just, we're checking it out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then how do you think about individuals versus corporations, right? So obviously corporations, I think has been a big focus. Michael Saylor, obviously with, yeah. uh, with Bitcoin, we've seen Square and Tesla do the exact same thing. Uh, but we've also had on uh, Eric from uh, Ramp, uh, they came on and, and he's talked about, they took, uh, I forget the exact, if he told us the exact percentage, but I think it was a uh, high single digits or mid single digits uh, percent of their balance sheet. And they went ahead and they put it into a stable coin. They're earning a little bit of interest on it. Um, and so I know that private companies specifically are really doing this. Yep. Um, how do you think about the kind of corporate environment, public versus private? And do you think that you'll have more success with either one of those two groups to start with? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we're not going to be selling the Coca-Cola or Pepsi this year. I can just like say that very clearly, but the series A through D startups, tech companies, SaaS companies, they get this. You know, they price this in their heads as engineers. That's like four more engineers I could hire if I was getting 4%. Uh, so we have a lot of success with those tech companies. And if I get shut down by someone when I sell this product, they say, I don't want to deal with this crypto nonsense. I'm quite happy about that because that means we're right on the good side of slightly too early. You know, we make some good sales. Some people are not getting it, but we'll be, we'll be ready when they inevitably come around. Yeah, what questions do you two have? What, what would be like... You know, obviously, there's different uh, different options and all that kind of stuff. But what is the yield people should be able to expect some, from some of these type of products? Yeah, so like the blue chip ones, what, what I'd consider blue chip. I mean, we just think that the yields are totally mispriced. I mean, you look at four percent from the crypto space; it's night and day compared to the legacy finance alternative, which is a corporate junk bond. I mean, you're risking a lot there, in my opinion. So some of the more blue chip protocols, blue chip lending desks, etc. 4% pretty consistently, 4, 5, 6%. Now, some of the more aggressive DeFi funds we're about to launch, they can be in the 15, 20% uh, range as well. It depends on the risk appetite. And believe me, we, we've heard people asking for both sides of that. So we'll be ready for, for both. I was going to ask, like, what is the risk appetite for this stuff? I'm assuming most people are looking for some type of diversification within that, but yep. maybe just talk to a little bit about like what the average person would be looking for. Yeah, so we're trying to, uh, the average company is most comfortable with the blue chip offerings, I will say, yep. but the extremes like, have a lot of capital as well. Like the family offices, for example, they're looking for 10, 15%. They have a lot of capital. Uh, and so we're building some of these products directly for them as well. And you know, if you have one interface to interact with the blue chips, the risks, and then even one click to put Bitcoin on the balance sheet as well, that's that's us. We want to like revolutionize the uh, you know, the balance sheet for, for, for corporate treasuries. Gotcha. So people obviously need cash to operate, right? Yeah. What have you seen from how much allocation like the general company would do? Would yeah. they do 10%? Would they do 50, 80%? Yeah. What, well, what does it look like? It's a great question. So we, we because the liquidity is so good, it's three business days, like you know, worst Oh, case. really? Yeah, so they start with something like 30, 35% to get their feet wet. As they get more comfortable with the product, they see their interest accumulating. We'll see it progressively go up and up to 60, 70. Anything that's not operational, pretty much, they would they would put with us. That was even my other question yeah. was, what was the liquidity? You can get their cash actually back out to them within yeah. three to six days. Yes, yeah, three business days, three business days, not, three not business. six, yeah, three. The other piece of this is, uh, let, let's say that you're sitting down with a CFO or an individual and they say, all right, this sounds amazing. I can earn higher yield. What's the downside? 
Like what's the risk in terms of absolute doomsday catastrophic scenario? Could everything go to zero? Is there like some, you know, drawdown potential? Like how do you think about what the risk somebody is taking in exchange for the higher? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's risk in every opportunity. Of course. If anyone ever says it's not something's no risk, just kick them off the show, obviously. But I mean, the crypto markets would have to do something like unprecedented. So there was a day in March, 2020 during COVID when crypto markets crashed like 70%. And some of the lending desk partners that we dealt with and some of the protocols still did not have a single default. So you would have to have an impact bigger than COVID, potentially. And I don't even know how much bigger. Uh, but that's, it's very battle-tested. And the reason these inefficiencies exist, why these yields exist, is because there hasn't really been a clean, compliant way to have institutional capital come into these markets yet. It's always been own your own wallet. It's always been kind of take a leap on the compliance side. We're hoping to address both. Like, we have an API. We're hoping to announce some partnerships soon with fintechs to bring in like institutional money by the by the hundreds of millions quite soon. So this is, I think, the gateway to a lot of money coming into this and, and closing this, these arbitrage opportunities effectively. Yeah. What, what about like uh, pension funds and folks that they're you know heavily reliant on driving returns for uh, somebody else, yep. right? Um, have you had any conversations there or, or any uh, thoughts in terms of how to get those folks involved? Yeah, it's a great idea. We, I, I've been kind of spread thin on the sales side with the other side. So if, you, <laughs> if, you know, if you know any good ones, yeah, please send them over. But yeah, just too many people want this for different purposes right now. So we're scaling up a lot to, to handle that kind of thing. And, and most, when you say too many people, uh, how much of the interest you have right now, like on a percentage base, if you had to categorize it or individual individuals versus uh, like corporations? All of our branding is for corporations, so we've been focusing on that. Yeah, we still have high net worths coming in and we'll make the exceptions and stuff. We can easily service them as well. So it, yeah, but it's predominantly corporates right now. One of those yeah. individuals is like, I am a business baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about like endowments too? Endowments might be interesting. Yeah, that's another, that's another really good one. I mean, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of meat on this bone, honestly, like, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you guys make money? <laughs> how do you, do you guys make money? We're taking a small spread right now. I mean, we, we don't really care too much about the, making money up front, frankly. We just want to provide a very, very good experience because phase two of the company is what's even more exciting. And there's just a million ways to, you know, weaponize AUM when, when you're obsessing over your customers, making them very happy. So well, right now, let's, let's, hear, let's hear about that. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> look, everything I'm saying should be, should be pretty obvious. Like who likes Fedwire? Who likes ACH, right? A billing suite is the bane of your existence probably. Now, if you take a low fee stablecoin network, I'm not talking about USDC on Ethereum or something like that where the gas fees are 200 bucks. Low fee instant settlement, B2B payments, bill pay, contractor pay, that's obvious, right? And you have a compelling initial foothold with a yield offering. That's how you build a fully digitally native financial institution. The first of its kind, in my opinion. It's not going to be like these existing dinosaur banks adding a crypto integration or adding one API and calling it a day. It's going to be from the ground up. And I think this is the right time to try to build that. What advantages does Meow have? Because there's other companies that like can give someone yield um, for their stablecoin. Yeah, the compliance considerations are, are pretty intense. I uh, can't go too much into the weeds on that, but we've we tried to build a most solid foundation there. And we're a team of five ex-Gemini engineers. We've been through like a lot. We have a lot of institutional knowledge. Bridging the TradFi world and the crypto world is not easy to do. That's why you see companies typically build only in the crypto world, which is great. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of the future. Uh, but that kind of institutional know-how, being ready for a bear market, like we're, that's kind of a What have the conversations been like with public companies? I'm assuming that's a much different conversation than with private you know, yeah, companies I'm, or family offices. I'm not even, like I had one conversation, it went, yeah. went so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Wait, was this important? Yeah. What, was it uh, a lack of education, a lack of enthusiasm? Was it they just didn't like you? Like, wh- Why oh, do you say it? I, hope they, I hope they liked me, but it was, yeah. yeah it was, well, I hope they did too. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to help you. If they didn't like you, then no, maybe we need to call them. They're dog people, I'm sure. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the crux of it. I mean, yeah, having, uh, honestly, having a name like Meow doesn't help when you're talking to like the 
fifty billion dollar company like <laughs> on day one, but it's it's a it's already become a weapon for us for our target market and it'll serve us well. What happened there was uh, it was just the crypto skepticism. Even yep. no matter how much user education you'll do, there are a lot of CFOs who wear crypto skepticism as a badge of honor. And I don't blame them. This has been the Wild West. There was the ICO boom of 2017, 2018. There was, yeah, there's not a compliant way to get money in. There's like investigations happening left and right. So we'll be there when they're ready is, is the idea. But I'm not taking those calls anymore. <laughs> like it was, yeah. And, and they called you or you guys went outbound? To I had them. one intro to like a, a major, major company, uh, through like an interested investor who wanted to like be helpful. And Got it. it was and not and so uh, it's interesting because my guess is that they're convinced they need higher yield because they're getting absolutely slammed. Right. Uh, and so the the crypto skepticism, right? we were just talking to uh, Alex from Amber and part of it is like almost like, is this really crypto, right? It is like a weird way to think about right. it because technically what you're doing is you're upgrading the technology of the US dollar and then yeah. you're simply generating yield the exact same way that the bank generates yield. You just happen because you're using new technology to have an imbalance of supply and demand and therefore that leads to higher yield, yeah. right? Yeah. Like like in some crazy way, if people think this is crypto, right? I, and I'm putting that in air quotes for those that are just listening, uh, then like wait till they find out about other crazy <laughs> shit, right? Like, like this seems to be... Uh, nothing that's really different than the legacy world. It's just like almost like an arbitrage opportunity. It's straight up arbitrage. And a lot of these yields come from Contango, like I mentioned. That's existed for, you know, yeah. I don't, of years. I don't even think that uh, the stablecoin providers, as far as I know, uh, the ones that I'm assuming that, you're, that you support, like USDC or GUSD or whatever, they don't even claim to be decentralized. No, no, that's not part of the value property. Right, yeah, yeah like, it, like it's just like literally this has nothing right. to do with decentralization. There's nothing to do with like quote, unquote crypto. It's just literally yeah. uh, the ability to take an asset, lend it, earn yield, and then yeah. pay a, a piece of the yield. Um, and so when you start to think about that, like in some way, having crypto skepticism really means that they don't understand like what this is, right? Yeah. And that's the education opportunity. That's, that's yeah, that's our job. And we've, we've had people successfully get over the hump. They're tech companies, they're on their series A through D, there's family offices who get it. But yeah, the giant public companies are, are not going to get that yet. But you're exactly right. I mean, decentralization is not something even retail users think about, frankly. I would love to live in a world where everyone's transacting in Bitcoin, for example. It's just not the world we live in. The corporates want cash. They want better yields in their cash, right? That's what they want. Will and, that change? Uh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, we'll be ready when it does. If they want to put Bitcoin in the balance sheet, we need someone more than Michael Saylor to do it. And we'll do our part to encourage people to to invest in hard assets. Yeah. Uh, and, and then basically it fits right within the same system, right? You, you, it, cause really what, if I think about your business, yep. you have a, I'm going to call it a platform or a marketplace, right? You can take a bunch of different inputs, literally whatever the input, whether it's cash, uh, uh, Bitcoin, whatever right. in, and then you can basically place it in a place where it generates yield. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you bring back some of the yield for those, uh, individuals. And so, there's a very clear kind of, hey, here's the first place to start, yep. but you can almost open up both sides of the marketplace to be supportive of more assets. Yeah. And over time, you you it, it is kind of like an exchange, and I'm going to uh, say exchange in that their business model was like, we don't care what you show up that you want to buy, and we don't care what the individual asset that succeeds or fails is. All we want to do is provide the venue. Right. And to some degree, you guys are doing that mm -hmm. uh, over time. Right now, you start out with one specific thing, but over yep. time, you could become that. Yeah, you're going to see us like, you know, one-click integration with Compound, one-click integration with Aave. I don't think there's any other company that's done that yet. And we're going to be one of the first to have like every kind of blue chip DeFi protocol available. And if you think it's inevitable, look, DeFi is not, I, I'm, I come from the Bitcoin world. I'm, Bitcoin's my favorite. I think Bitcoin's its own asset class. DeFi is in competition with legacy finance, which is a net positive. You know, mm -hmm. you have the legacy finance corporate junk bonds at 4%. Then you have some like pretty blue chip, like tested 
DeFi protocols and things like that. I think that's inevitable that the composability of these DeFi protocols is going to do very good things for the financial system. So we're providing a bridge to them. No one else has. And we have like a clean UI to be able to click and interact with them. And education is, is what we're doing right now. What is the biggest hurdle convincing companies to do this? To me, it seems like a no-brainer for yeah. to do something like this. Yeah, honestly, I think they, I think a lot of them, there have been some that we've just like gotten over the hurdle. A lot of them like know whether they're the kind of person to do this or not upfront because of how polarizing crypto is to date. Yep. But the ones that we flipped was explaining kind of the history of these yields, how there has not been a default ever, how they are battle tested, how there was a 70% drawdown in Bitcoin's price in March 2020, and pointing out the inflation statistics. So the boat's taking on water. This is not like a cute hobby. Your boat's taking on water. If you want to fight back, meow is the place to do it. That's, that's how we view it. 